Calm down, girls, because we have got more teen heartthrobs than you can throw your knickers at. Oh, lovely. It's still number one. It's the 2000s chart show. Hello and welcome to the 2000s chart show. And thank you very much to Edith Bowman and Fern Cotton for that lovely introduction, which was definitely for us. This is the podcast reliving the singles charts from 20 years ago, which means that this week it is the 2nd of August 2003 and music sounds like this. How could it hurt you when it looks so good? Yes, what an incredible time for music. In fact, this time 20 years ago, music history was being made because on the 2nd of August 2003, Robbie Williams was midway through his three gigs at Nebworth. He performed to over 375,000 people over three days, making it the biggest event in British music history to that point. Of course, for 2000s Chart Show fans, the biggest music events in British music history were when Daphne and Celeste were bombarded with bottles of piss at Reading, and when one of Jedwood broke their ankle live on T4 on the beach. But I guess by pure numbers, Nebworth has them both beat there. So congratulations to Robbie Williams. Please, please, don't leave me. This is Angels. Perhaps even more importantly, here at the 2000 Chart Show, sometimes we do love a flop pop star more than we love an established name because they've got the credit, the Brit Awards, the money, the prestige, whereas all that flop pop stars have are the gays who still remember them. And so in that vein, we're still celebrating here the 20th anniversary of Fame Academy Season 2. which is in its second week, 20 years ago. And to celebrate Fame Academy Season 2, we actually have a very special guest this week. We have Richard Parks from the original Fame Academy, who's going to be on hand to give his unique takes on many of the greatest hits of August 2003. So hi, Richard. What do you think of the show so far? Gonna have to do better. Everyone's a critic. Let's get on with the show. What kind of songs are coming up, you ask? Well, we have new entries from Stereophonics. Ugh. Triple Eight. Ugh. (laughs) Daniel Beddingfield, ugh! All American Rejects, ugh! And Goldfrap, yeah, that one's good, finally. Whatever is upcoming, it's sure to be a great show. But before the fun begins, I briefly wanted to talk about who we won't get to talk about much, even though she did have one top 40 hit in the 2000s, thanks to her duet with Ian Brown, Illegal Attacks. But her story is one that is close to my heart and does relate to the theme of the show. I know one thing I actually hate is this kind of Twitter importance syndrome in which people think just because they have a social media account, they must comment on every single event that happens. But Sinead O'Connor was important to me and many of my friends. The song Mandinka was really one of the biggest things that actually bonded us all together initially. So I'm very grateful to her for that. But her story does speak to this show in an interesting way because a lot of people over the past few days have talked about how it was the mental anguish of having a massive hit and the fame that that brought that had a massive impact on Sinead O'Connor's health. That is always lying under the surface of everything we talk about here. We make a joke about these flop pop stars and one hit wonders and whatever, but these are real people. These are real people's lives. A lot of them were fucked over by the music industry. A lot of them found the difficulty of being famous and then that all being taken away very hard to deal with. And so that's just something, something for us all to think about as we have fun with these people. 
Not that that is going to stop us having fun with them if they deserve it. And certainly, uh, Sinead O'Connor knew all about that. We'll just leave you with her funniest tweet. Very The 2000 Chart Show coded. So she wrote, Please be careful. If you get a link called Ronan Keating Sings Christmas Carols, don't open it. It's a link to Ronan Keating singing Christmas carols. For being totally uncompromising in your vision when other lesser musical acts desperately tried to stay relevant and stay making hits. And for being just a generally badass bitch, Sinead O'Connor, we salute you. And with that in mind, let's start the show with a new entry at number 40. This is Delays with Hey Girl. Hey girl. No, thank goodness, not that Hey Girl. Sorry, Little Monsters, maybe the worst thing that Lady Gaga ever did. Delays there with Hey Girl. Delays being a Southampton indie band which combine guitars and synths and Greg Gilbert's distinctive falsetto. Now, I have to tell you, I am a total slut for indie rock with a male distinctive falsetto. But the problem with this song is that it does sound quite a lot like another song famous for falsetto male vocals. There she goes by the Lars there. On the Wikipedia page for the delays, they say that they were heavily inspired by the Lars and you think, you don't say. But to their credit, the delays did eventually find their own musical style and they did end up releasing what is genuinely one of my favourite songs of all time, which is Valentine. In that song, you can hear Greg Gilbert's vocals utilised to their absolute maximum potential. And so we're playing that there as a little tribute to Greg Gilbert, who unfortunately died of bowel cancer in 2021. Valentine, a number 23 hit in March 2006. So luckily for us, we'll be able to talk about that in the future. But I will mention now that Valentine, by the delays, was a worthy nominee of the 2006 Pop Justice 20 Quid Music Prize, the only music prize that's consistently got it right throughout all these years. And how do I know that? Because in 2003, in the first ever £20 Music Prize, They gave it to No Good Advice by Girls Aloud, and that's what we call taste. In fact, let's just quickly go over the entire 2003 Pop Justice 20 Quid Music Prize lineup, because it's a pretty strong list. The 20 Quid Music Prize, by the way, for those who don't know, was set up as a kind of slightly tongue-in-cheek riposte to the Mercury Prize that awarded the best in pop music singles. No Good Advice, the winner, alongside If You're Not The One by Daniel Bedingfield, honestly the weakest song on the list. Misfit by Amy Stutt, Say Goodbye by S Club, 
Scandalous by Mystique, 17 by Lady Tron, t- true taste there, Stop Sign by Abs, New Direction by S Club Juniors, one of my personal favourites, What I Go to School For by Busted, and Just Sneaking In There at the End, Lately by Lisa Scott Lee, Pop Justice, a website, Much Missed by me. And speaking of Pop Justice, this very dull next song is nearly out of the top 40 after just two weeks. Maybe that's what the Lamar song, If There's Any Justice, was about, who can say? But what I can say is this is... How are you gonna act like that by Tyrese? make of that Richard he just doesn't appear to have what it will take Mm, well said and with those words of damnation ringing in our ears here's at 38 DJ Sammy with sunlight and at 37 simply red with faith The lead singer Simply Red, by the way, Richard. I don't think he looks right. Well, I mean, in the 2003s, he was getting a little goblin-y in the face. And from goblins, we go to dogs for our number 36 hit this week. Down from 13 last week, this is Super Furry Animals with Golden Retriever. Said the puppy when I met him at the zebra cross. Said, you need protection from every direction that you get you. that I forgot to thank the Golden Retriever that the song Golden Retriever was based on who we spoke to on the show last week so thank you very much to the Golden Retriever who's a good boy who's a good boy etc etc you get the idea with that <coughs> 35 now this is the 11th week on the UK Top 40 we, th- we counted him out last week when he was at number 40 but he's gone up 5 places this week this is Justin Timberlake with Rock Your Body now as I mentioned last week I've become as I tend to get weirdly obsessed with things in this case I've got weirdly obsessed with polyphonic ringtones because I just cannot believe how this entire business was such a huge thing in 2003 and now does not exist at all I find that fascinating and so Justin Timberlake very in demand in the ringtone sphere in 2003 in smash hits there was a 
advert from the company Tuxt UK, that's TXT UK, which offered you your choice of six different Nokia 3310 wallpapers featuring JT. And by the way, if you want to see those monochrome Nokia 3310 Justin Timberlake wallpapers for yourself, you can see them at our Instagram account at the 2000s chart show. Each would have cost you £3 plus your standard network rate. Or you could have made your choice between the three Justin Timberlake singles so far in monophonic or polyphonic choices. Here is what Rock Your Body would have sounded like as a polyphonic ringtone in 2000s, in case you're wondering. And I have to say, the ringtone version has a really kind of cool ambient vibe to it, which honestly is missing from the original. So this may be a weird case where the polyphonic ringtone is actually an improvement on the original. Okay, well, if you don't like that, here's the original as well. Justin Timberlake doesn't manage to get you naked by the end of that song. Let's see if our next track can. At 34, down from 22 last week, here's Yamanda with You're Free. You're free, of course, a cover of Ultranate's 1998 hit Free. Richard, I know you're a big fan of the original, but what do you think of Yamanda's version? That's the first time I've heard that song sung without any emotion. Mm, Harsh but fair, Richard Parks. And now, talking of no emotion, at 33, in its fifth week on the chart, here's We Just Be Dreamin' by Blazing Squad. Blazing Squad there means, of course, it is time for the nation, if not the world's favourite podcast segment, Things You Never Knew About Blazing Squad. And unfortunately, I believe this is our final edition of Fascinating Facts. We can look back at just the many amazing things we've learnt about Blazing Squad over the weeks. That Kenzie was nearly killed by a block of ice. That Crazy still has a 2001 JLo calendar. That Spikey loves baked beans. These are all things now we treasure in our very hearts. But there's a time for everything to finish. And this week is time for Facts About Blazing Squad to finish. But luckily, this is a bumper edition with seven whole facts about your favourite group of mostly white scally rappers. Number 21. Melody yawns a lot. 
Melody must be the only person who's yawned on telly. We did a TV show with Holly Valance and there he was, yawning his head off, says Flavor. Probably because Holly Valance tried to talk to him. 22, Strider's an Italian stallion. Well, half actually. He has an Italian mama, but he can't speak a word of the lingo. And his dad hails from Cyprus. 23, they've got strange nicknames. There was a time when Spikey was called Nunbag and Kenzie Mowgli, don't ask us, whereas now, of course, they have the totally normal nicknames of Strider, Reaper, Kenzie, Flavor, Rocky B, and the other one. Number 24, there used to be 11 of them. The squad used to have an 11th member, but two months before Crossroads was released, he got a job in a supermarket. He must be kicking himself, said Freak. Another normal nickname there. 26, Rocky B is domesticated. I iron Melody's clothes, said Rocky B, but only because I don't want to be seen with him if he's creased. And number 27, our final sweet, sweet fact about the Blazing Squad boys. Flavor's quite posh. Yes, really. Jamie's uncle was Lord Murray of Gravesend. Get him. A segment there that, if it has not already won a Pulitzer, surely is on its way to being nominated. So Blazing Squad at 33, and at 32, we have Jane's Addiction with Just Because. My response to Jane's addiction being at number 32, baby, I don't care. Ellison at number 31. Jennifer Ellison remains a mystery. If we were to be a true crime podcast, the question of what happened to Jennifer Ellison's pop career would definitely have to be an episode. It seems that her first hit has been pretty big. This is its sixth week. It's still in the chart. It got to a peak of number six. And yet she didn't release a follow-on single until a year later when she'd already won Hell's Kitchen. And going on Hell's Kitchen is not a thing you do if your career is going well. So big question mark of what happened there. If you're listening, Jennifer, email us at the 2000s chart show at gmail.com but we do have some important news about Jennifer Ellison's career a few weeks ago we mentioned that Kim Marsh was touring in the greatest days the take that musical the show for me is uh, essentially about friendship and about music it's obviously following a journey um, from being a teenager to being an older person um, the love of a boy band and things that happen in between is such a journey and it's one that we cannot wait to take you on. And amazingly, once Kim Marsh finishes her run, Jennifer Ellison's taking over her role. Truly, Greatest Days, the Take That musical is becoming the straight version of 222 A Ghost Story. Just insane casting choices every time. But the re- important question is, what do you think of Jennifer Ellison Richard Parks? Well, she gave it everything she's got, and uh, I would imagine she's probably not really ever done much better than that. Yeah, no one can deny that Jennifer Ellison gave it all she got. You can head over to our Twitter and Instagram pages to see her Top of the Pops performance of Baby I Don't Care, one of the most extra performances that anyone has ever given. It's not surprising that if she gave that much effort that she didn't have the staying power to keep going, I guess. You can't do that forever. Talking of staying power... 
at 30, up from 31 last week, and now in its 20th week in the chart. So five months in the top 40 for 50 Cent with Inder Club. Richard, your thoughts? That song now has reached a situation where it's just been on too many radio stations. Yes, I agree. It's very overplayed now. And I'm going to say we probably have at least one more week for 50 Cent there with Inder Club. And hopefully we also have one more week for Ashanti. She's at 29 with Rock With You or Baby. Twenty-eight, the take that musical starring diva herself, Kim Marsh, with "Come On Over." problem with that song and we've called it a Melanie C b-side before and we've called it an Appleton b-side before it's just a little lacking in charisma now Richard tell us what you really think about Kim Marsh well I think the problem as we just heard outlined is it's uncharismatic not a big fan Richard may not be a big fan of Kim Marsh but I am certainly a big fan of this next singer at 27 we mentioned her earlier as one of the nominees for the 2003 20 quid music prize here's Amy Stutt with Misfit. Waste your own time, I don't care. Anything you can do, I can do better. That wasn't enough, teenage angst for you. Angst corner. Stop going on about it. Here is at 26, also in its seventh week on the charts, Christina Regulera with Fighter. Chris 
Christina Aguilera there with Fighter, one of her best songs in my opinion, also one of her most impactful because this is a song that she wrote about the abuse that she alleges to have experienced from her father, something that she has talked about a lot in interviews and we shall quote from some of these here to let Christina speak in her own words about what happened. For legal reasons, I do have to say that her father does deny all allegations. Here is what she said in a Smash Hits interview titled I've Forgiven Dad. I still don't have really have a great relationship with my father. My mum told me he's written a letter to me. It talks about him understanding that what I'm doing is part of the healing process and that it's therapeutic for me to write a song about it. He says that he understands and is sorry for what happened in the past. That really means a lot to me. I've definitely forgiven my dad for what he's done. So that was in 2003 and here is what Christina and her mother Shelley Kearns said about Christina's father in a 2010 edition of VH1's Behind the Music. It was a lot of chaos growing up. There was a lot of mental, emotional, verbal, physical abuse. There was a lot of fights, a lot of yelling and screaming, and it was really hard for me to see. I'd been choked. I'd been, you know, with a, you know, army um, shirt and everything. And I had a can of mace under my pillow, you know, and Christine was petrified of it. I decided to step in between and say, don't hurt my mommy. And uh, he then, you know, uh, threw me across the room because I had stood up for my mom. My mother, I remember being in such a helpless situation. And I remember just seeing her being overpowered constantly by my father. And it really didn't sit well with me. You know, I think a lot of Christina's strength comes from not wanting to be powerless like I was. He was getting more physical with me the older I got, and my mom said enough was enough. And I said I needed the car for a dental appointment. I packed that car. I went to the commissary and got some formula with Christina tugging at me, and then we drove home and never looked back. Thank you very much for Christina Aguilera there for sharing a very emotional story. Number 25 now, another new entry. On quite a slow week for new entries, we only have seven, whereas usually we have anything between 11 and 14. But that just gives us all the more time to talk about one of the best songs that we have discussed so far in this entire podcast. At number 25, Goldfrap with Strict Machine. and Goldfrapp there in love with a strict machine and I am in love with that song especially after having seen the Top of the Pops performance for it initially a very disappointing one because clearly the band is miming it seems which if even Triple Eight are singing live which we'll get to but they really shouldn't have been you think that Goldfrapp with Alison Goldfrapp's amazing voice could have sung live but then they make it all better because Alison Goldfrapp out of nowhere breaks out a theremin and starts playing it live
just again we've talked about what made top of the pop so good so many times now but just that you could have beyonce on the one hand and then alison golfer playing a theremin on the other is everything that's great about it and why pop fans everywhere miss it so much strict machine by golfer definitely one of the kinkiest songs that we've talked about so far on the 2000 chart show songfacts.com always a place where you'll find the best comments has a unique take on what the song is about Rachel from South Point, Ohio says that the song is about an experiment in which electrodes were attached to the pleasure centres in the brains of mice. When the rats did what the scientists wanted them to do, the mice were shocked and happy. So who can say whether it's about that or whether someone who, I don't know, is in love with a strict machine, who can possibly say? But what we can say is that people have noted a certain similarity between this song and Some Girls, the Rachel Stevens song. Apparently, Richard X, who produced Some Girls by Rachel Stevens, was given a copy of Strict Machine before it came out, which they asked him to remix. And then he remixed it and the band rejected his efforts. And just a few months later, Rachel Stevens came out with Some Girls. Obviously, I'm not insinuating anything there, but you can now hear for yourself whether you think there's any similarity between the two songs. By the way, it should be noted that Golfrap clearly hold nothing against Richard X, who they got to remix their song Rocket a few years later. In 2004, Some Girls won the second Pop Justice 20 Kid Music Prize. I'll leave for you to decide at home if you feel that should really be shared with Strict Machine by Golfrap. But it's hardly like Richard X is the only person who ever took inspiration from Golfrap because Two Hearts by Kylie Minogue does sound an awful lot like Ooh La La by Goldfrap. That's what they say. Still from the best. Strict Machine was the second UK top 40 for golf rap. Their first was Train, which got to number 23 in April 2003. And we will get another chance to talk about Strict Machine because it got to number 20 when it was reissued in May 2004. So Strict Machine is the second and fifth UK top 40 for golf rap. They would have a total of 11 UK top 40s, including three UK top 10s, Ooh La La, Number One and A&E. All absolute classics. Absolutely love golf rap. Even her new solo album, which not quite her best, but certainly her best is among the highest that anyone's ever achieved. So what do you expect? But we don't have much time for you, Richard. But just quickly, Golf Rap Strip Machine, yes or no? Yes. Great. And now at 24, in its 13th week on the chart, so heading past three months for Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey with I Know What You Want. Side note to that, I find the way he says shh, mummy listen, one of the campus things on this entire chart. And now let's head to the halfway point of our UK top 40 at 23, S Club 8 with Full No More. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me. 
two, Madonna with Hollywood. At 21, Joe Budden with Pump It Up. But I'm only dealing with freaks that want to cut mine. If you agree, it won't cut. Can't try to get it played late night on BT Uncut. Thank you, Joe Budden there, and that takes us halfway through the chart. Hi, I'm Wes, and here is the official The 2000s Chart Show. Top 20 for this week. And you know what that means? I think as people sat at home tonight, they probably thought, this is the moment to put the kettle on. That's right, so while you prepare yourself a delicious Earl Grey, or Lady Grey, or, I don't know, Duke Grey, we will take a quick look over some of the new entries that are fighting it out for the top spot this week. The biggest release is coming from New Zealand's finest, Daniel Bedingfield. At this point, Daniel Bedingfield has two number ones already. In 2001, his first single got get through this, got to number one. And in December 2002, If You're Not The One, also got to the top spot. His last hit, I Can't Read You, got to number six. So he will be hoping that his career is not on the slide and he can get back to the top spot with Never Gonna Lead Your Side. But to do that, he is going to have to take on the Stereophonics. Everyone's favourite Welsh band does sound a bit like Rod Stewart, look. They are back with their classic of the mid-noughties, Maybe Tomorrow. tomorrow. Smash Hits have called it a quite marvellous groove, but is it a groove that the British public is willing to groove to? We'll find out as we head into the top ten, but both of them will also be taking on Triple Eight. In many ways, they feel like the patron saints of this show because they were one of the first flop boy bands that we talked about. And we spent a lot of time talking about the various members of Triple Eight. I can't remember any of their names apart from Sparks. I can only remember that one because it's really stupid. So not a great sign for the continuing relevance of Triple Eight, but they are trying to match their debut single Knockout with their second single Give Me A Reason. Knockout got to number eight, so they'll be hoping for a higher chart placement than that with Give Me A Reason. And don't forget, of course, that both of those songs are from their sadly unreleased album, Heavyweight. And in case you were wondering, of course, that is Heavy W8. So Stereophonics, Triple A and Daniel Bedingfield all hoping to beat Beyonce for the top spot this week. Before we find out which one of them has the potential to take Queen B off the top of the UK Top 40, here is at number 20, Delta Goodrum with Lost Without You. I admit that I was wrong
Now, Delta Goodrum seems kind of your speed, Richard. Is that a song that you like a lot? That was bland. Well, there we go. He's turned against Delta Goodrum. Hopefully he'll like the next entries in our chart a little bit better. Number 19, down from 17 last week, can't get it back by Mystique. And at 18, down from 16 last week, 21 questions by 50 Cent. Do you believe me when I tell you you the one I'm loving? Are you mad because I'm asking you 21 questions? Are you my soulmate? And we know exactly what Richard thinks about our act at number 17 because he made his opinion very clear on Top of the Pops last week. I thought that uh, as a coming boy band, they're not quite together yet. I don't think they've probably worked hard enough for a long enough period of time. I like the song because it was slightly obvious, but a, a decent pop number. That was Richard Parks talking about, of course, at number 17, down from seven last week, D-Side with their song Invisible. What would it take to make you see that I... One of two flop boy bands in our chart this week, D-Side taking on Triple Eight, who have beat them in this week's chart. Though, of course, D-Side's song did debut higher than Triple Eight did last week. D-Side are not worried about Triple Eight at all. In early 2004, they gave an interview to Designer Magazine, which apparently is a thing. And in this interview, the interviewer asked, and what do you think of your contemporary boy band rivals, Fix, Triple Eight, et al.? And Shane from D-Side replied, and of course you remember they are Irish. We still don't see any of them as competition. They don't scare us. Some of them might slag us off, but we're doing what we do. And then Derek said, and maybe I won't do the full Irish accent here. When you've got such a strong bit, you don't want to use it up, you know. I know it sounds weird to say it, but we've seen bands come and go in the four years we've been together. Davis Ned and One True Voice have all gone. When you start off on those programmes, you can only go up. Whereas we've got to work our way up from the bottom up. And part of working your way from the bottom up is admitting humiliating moments to smash hits so of course d-side were no exception they were featured in this week's smash hits embarrassing moments in which ryan d-side told us about some saucy signs he said sometimes at our gigs there are fans who have ridden rude banners asking me to do or do things to them i always blush lose my place in the dance routine and forget the words that has happened so many times it's very forward if my mother read the signs, she'd be really shocked he obviously maintained his irish accent throughout saying that being irish and all something that i couldn't quite manage there decide talking the talk but a 10 place drop 
from 7 to 17 with your second single. It's not great, but you can't tell D-Side that. Well, last time we talked about D-Side with their song Speechless, I mentioned my suspicions that they had written their own Wikipedia page, which, let's not forget, says they were huge in Japan without showing any evidence to that. But I don't think it's just their Wikipedia page that D-Side might have written. Their last FM bio also suspiciously reads like a member of the band may have written it especially because the ending of it goes with better management what could have been for these very individual talented lads that had something special when they came to sing and perform together that sounds very much like something that a bitter bandmate of D-Side would say when asked why they hadn't been a success, especially because you can't really blame the management because their management were also responsible for a few kind of small bands you may have heard of like New Kids on the Block, Bewitched and a little duo called Ant and Deck. But of course, you won't remember who they are because they had terrible management just like D-Side and never made anything of themselves. With hindsight, it's very funny reading interviews of what do you think of the rivalry between D-Side, Fix and Triple Eight? You know, that's like the hard fight for the bronze. None of them really had a chance of the gold. In fact, this is something that we're finding at this time, I think, is that the music industry is desperate to find the new hot boy band, but just keep missing every time. And that is basically what eventually leads to Take That reforming and becoming the biggest boy band in the world. They basically just went back exactly into the niche that they had left in the first place when people realised that no one could really do it better than them. I'm not sure what that says about boy bands. You can make your own conclusions there. And speaking of a boy band of a very different sort, here is, at 16, The Coral with Pass It On. Every tear cried in shame There'll be someone else to blame And every crime that I commit There'll be a punishment to fear But I'd accept what's coming round If I could only lose this sound That's been ringing in my ears And tormenting me for years When it's done And all this is gone light summer sounds of the coral there and at 15 down from eight in its third week on the chart here is javine with real things Now, over the last few weeks, we have talked about Jamelia's infamous Javine is a slag rant on Nevermind the Buzzcocks. She's a relationship ruiner. Javine is a slag. <laughs> no, she really is a slag, though. <laughs> But I realised I had not given Javine her full right of reply, which as a serious journalist, obviously, I have to give her. And so I looked about what Javine had said about her affair with MC Harvey that led to Jamelia calling her a slag. In case you're not up on what happened between Javine and MC Harvey from So Solid Crew, in 2006 it was revealed that the pair were having an affair while working on the West End musical Daddy Cool, the Boney M musical. Yep, that was a thing, 2006. 
wild time and apparently this is from the mirror they got caught when Javine's ex spotted MC Harvey's car outside of her home phoned Alicia Dixon who was MC Harvey's wife at the time to tell her says that devastated former mystic rapper Alicia waited all day for her husband to come home so she could ask him face to face and he didn't try to deny it and so later Javine did an interview of her own with New Magazine in which she said no I don't want Alicia's forgiveness she doesn't know me I don't deserve anything from her people are going to try their best to create cracks in our relationship she was hardly going to say he left me because he had fallen out of love with me I know how he felt they accused me of stealing someone's man which I don't believe you can actually do she is ultimately right you can't steal someone's man if that man does not want to be stolen and so obviously history repeated itself because in 2009 Javine and MC Harvey split up because oh surprise surprise there were rumours that he had cheated on her because once a cheater always a cheater and it seems that this has continued on because it was reported in February 2016 that MC Harvey had left his wife for another woman just two weeks after their wedding so it really is appropriate that mc harvey was in so solid crew because uh, it seems he can only make it 21 seconds in a relationship before wanting to cheat (laughs) Ah, no it's terrible let's correct the record he's a relationship ruiner mc harvey is a slag No, he really is a slagger. MC Harvey, definitely going on the 2000s chart, so nemesis list. And we are moving on from his dirty dealings to number 14, down from 11. Here is Eminem with business. Eminem there in his third week on the chart and at number 13 a new entry this is All American Rejects with Swing Swing Swiftly come and go Dreaming of her She's seeing other guys Emotions are stirred American Rejects, of course, a Oklahoma-based American pop-punk band. The title Swing Swing comes from the lyrics of the chorus, Swing Swing from the Tangles of My Heart is Crushed by a Former Love. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I'm not entirely sure how one would swing from the tangles of a crushed heart. Sure, I believe you could swing from the vein or an artery of a crushed heart, or from a crushed ventricle at a push, but from the main heart itself? No, I don't believe you would have the swinging capacity. So that's all I have to say about Swing Swing by All American Rejects. They, however, said of their own song that it's based on a relationship that had ended badly. My ex-girlfriend and I had a rough relationship, and that was written when it sucked real bad. I like this other chick, and so that's what the second verse is about. Moving on to a hotter chick. No, I'm just kidding. Moving on to another girl, or just moving on. That was from Tyson Ritter, the 
lead singer of the All American Rejects, and this is the first of their three UK top 40s. Weirdly, the highest charting of the three, even though the other two seemed that they were everywhere a few years later, they would also have top 20 hits with Dirty Little Secret and Gives You Hell. Especially Gives You Hell seemed unescapable in 2008, so it's weird that Swing Swing is their biggest charting single. Maybe that says more about the kind of people that I was hanging around with in 2008. All of those emo boys who I thought, oh, they wear makeup, they must be gay, I can probably, you know, get a few furtive uh, feelings. But it turns out that they were all just like makeup. Except, of course, they all ended up turning out gay later. So it just maybe they just didn't want to have furtive fumblings with me. And they were behind my back listening to Fallout Boy and letting their boys fall out, if you get my meaning. So that's more than you needed to know about my childhood. So I'm going to get back to the solid ground of the Smash Hits review of Swing Swing by the All-American Rejects. They gave it four sun cream bottles out of five and said, Not being a huge indie fan, it's a pleasure to stick on a record that has all the elements of a rock tune. The twanging guitars, loud bass and crashing drums, teamed with the elements of a classic pop track, catchy hooks, an infectiously addictive chorus, romantic theme and a deceivingly mellow organ intro all combined to make this a top tune we like. And that, of course, is from 2000s chart show hero Serena Lacey, our favourite Smash Hits reviewer. So that was the Smash Hits review of the All-American Rejects. But what do you think of them, Richard? It didn't work for me. Well, that's fair enough, I guess. I can't imagine you ever had an emo phase. All-American Rejects there at 13. At 12, sticking at 12 in its 12th week in the chart is R. Kelly's Ignition remix. And at 11, down from 9 last week, Fast Food Rocker's Fast Food Song. Just terribly repetitive. What do you mean, Richard? Do you think the fast food rockers are repetitive? Well, now we know what the soundtrack to the elevator ride to Hades sounds like. Sorry to anyone who that drove into psychosis. Luckily, we have a great song to pull us out of whatever the hell that was next. So we're heading into the top 10 with At 10, down from 6 last week, Pink featuring William Orbit with Feel Good Time. Make a body work, make a bigger hurt, sell me something big and Pink there, still giving us a feel good time and we are feeling good all the way into the top 10. Still to come, new releases from Stereophonics, Daniel Beddingfield, Deepest Blue and Triple Eight and returning songs from Evanescence, Beyonce, Wayne Wonder, Benny Benassi and XTM featuring DJ Chucky. Will Beyonce be able to hold on for another week at number one or have we fallen out of love with Crazy in Love? Well, let's find out as we head to number nine, our first new entry on this week's top ten and it is 
triple eight with give me a reason okay so i did what i uh, what i usually do and looked on the official chart website for a 30 second sample of the song and let's just say that they have definitely not got the right song this is what official chart thinks is give me a reason by triple eight the accountant just called me i'm too rich i used to get paid out now i'm paid out wait i'm on a freeway in a v8 with my beat tape tony hawk just went broke you're a cheapskate you can't see straight i sell tickets like meat trays your ego's better deflate crew come when i roll out menu and here's what it actually sounds like into my memory i used to used to believe everything you said just before i got to know you in a little while saw the other side always acting like i owe you and when i think what could have been is such a shame but you say you're not the same with songs like that it's almost guaranteed that triple eight are going to be huge stars so i must introduce you to all of them individually luckily smash hits gave us a guide to each member in which each member is given a spice girls like nickname now the reason that that worked for the spice girls is because they all had distinct personalities and looks not quite the same with triple eight so pity the poor smash hits writer who had to come up with these let's begin with dave aka laddie eight they're all Something eight, by the way. Dave is Triple H's resident party animal and all-round boy's boy. I think that means something different to Smash It than it does to me. I'm the wildest member of the group, he grins. Why stay in and be boring when you can go out and party? There you go. Who wouldn't want to go out with Dave Triple H? Certainly one person who wanted to spend time with him was Simon Cow, for whom Dave eventually ended up working as a songwriter, working on helping develop acts from Simon Cow's many reality TV shows. And of course we have Sparks Triple H. His mum knows him as Ian. We know him as Sparks. Sparks with an X, of course. He is Dreamy8. Sparks is a cute, fluffy bunny who loves nothing more than taking long bubble baths and chilling in his room. I'm quite a private person, admits Sparks. When I was a kid, I always had my head in the clouds. My kind of person there, Sparks. He also shared an embarrassing moment with Smash Hits. I always feel embarrassed when female fans ask me to sign their boobs. You never know where to look. I always sign them, though. Hell yeah. But if it's an ugly girl whose chest I'm signing, I normally look straight ahead. That's really shallow, isn't it? It's a hard life being a pop star. Ha ha ha. Not so dreamy there. Jamie is cheeky eight. Jamie's the baby of the band. I'm the worst cook around, he grins. Picking up the phone to order takeaway is my speciality. In case you wanted to know a little bit more about Jamie, Smash Hits asked him what the most minging thing he keeps in his room is. And he says, I've got two dirty boots under my bed and every now and then I pull them out, but they stink. They've been under there for months. So there you go. That's Jamie. Josh is romantic eight. Sexy Josh is the ladies man of the band. I'm single and loving it, he grins. I've had lots of dates and I've snogged a lot of girls. Well over 50. I'm not sure I believe him there. That's very much given. Yeah, I have uh, lots of girlfriends. Uh, They just all live uh, not in this town. So uh, you've never seen them. Not to doubt Josh's romantic prowess. In case you were wondering what Josh's loves and hates are, incidentally, Smash It tells us he loves food, football and partying and hates arrogance, dog poo and cricket. Who doesn't? And the final member of the group is Justin. He's chilled eight. Justin is a cool, laid-back lad. When I meet someone, I can be reserved, he admits. I like to get to know people before getting loud. But later, however, he does mention some of the things that do get him a bit loud in the club. He says, what do you like to see girls wearing in clubs? And he answers, skimpy clothes, lots of skin, mmm, a cheeky peek of a thong poking up over the trousers. And for some reason, I've got a soft spot for girls who wear hats. I don't know why, but it definitely works for me. So Justin there, a definite hat fetish, 
which is very interesting, seeing as he, of course, ended up marrying Kimberly Walsh from Girls Aloud. Exactly what kind of hat she had to wear to woo him remains within their private marital bed, I assume. Interesting note, by the way, when Kimberly Walsh and Justin got married, Cheryl and Nicola were there, but Nadine and Sarah were quote-unquote banned from attending due to a long-standing feud between Kimberly, Sarah and Nadine. All of which is actually more interesting than Triple Eight, but aren't you glad that I've introduced you to a band that are going to be long-running stars for air and I'm looking here and this is their last UK Top 40 so bye-bye Triple Eight lovely to meet you Richard, last note on Triple Eight before we move on. We're going to have to do better if we're going to turn out chart-topping stars. Quite. How about this for something better? At number eight, up from ten this week in its ninth week in the chart, XTM and DJ Chucky featuring Anya with Fly on the Wings of Love. nine weeks however XTM and DJ Chucky's reign as the highest placed dance single on the UK Top 40 has been overtaken because at number 7 this is a new entry from Deepest Blue with their song Deepest Blue from the album Deepest Blue probably vibes of Don't Give Up by Chicane on that song. Deepest Blue by Deepest Blue. Sadly, it isn't the first pop single of the famous chess computer, but is in fact a British electronic musical duo comprising Matt Schwartz and Joel Edwards. Schwartz has a little place in the Gay Anthems Hall of Fame because he wrote both Kylie's Time Bomb and Cheryl's Only Human. He now works as a producer for Youngblood, which presumably someone out there is young enough to know what who that is couldn't be me a somewhat of a hot shot producer but he definitely did a better job for those artists than he did for himself when it comes to the lyrics of the song deepest blue by deepest blue truly terrible here are some few samples firstly there's the chorus line the sun will always shine on you you turn my ocean deepest blue is that a sex thing i don't want to sound like a naive man not of this world but no one has ever turned my ocean deepest blue so maybe i need to take some sort of supplement or something but it gets worse if mother nature ever chose a name i'm sure that she would choose the same what imagine someone using that as a chat line what mother nature's gonna call herself sharon what are you talking about mate so not good certainly not my favorite of the three deepest blue uk top 40s that would be give it away their song from 2004 but sadly we've got a few months to wait for that one 
as it is deepest blue by deepest blue deepest blue incidentally not not the smash it's nickname for duncan from blue he's deepest blue lee is crazy blue simon is soulful blue anthony is other blue in case you're wondering but is in fact a dance act at number seven this week number six now down from number three last week in its sixth week on the chart a genuine phenomenon at this point song of the summer perhaps wayne wonders no letting go Wayne Wonder at number six and at number five a former UK number one in its 11th week on the chart down from four Evanescence Bring Me to Life Evanescence at number five leads us with four songs in this week's UK Top 40 20 years ago. Two new entries from Daniel Benenfield and Stereophonics and two returning songs from Beyonce and Benny Benassi featuring The Biz, which is at number four this week. Get out your power tools and put on your strappiest bikini because we're looking for some satisfaction. wondering what happened to the male robot that sings on Benny Benassi's satisfaction well I've heard that he's fallen on really hard times and has to do some really debasing work if I've even heard he's been slumming it and doing podcast introductions the 2000s chart show truly debasing degrading work so satisfaction at number four last week's number two and that leaves us with two new entries and Beyonce's crazy in love last week's number one the first of those New entries, however, is at number three. Smash hit set of this song. Rock growlers, the stereophonics, discover the funk and produce quite a marvellous groove for the summer. Okay, so Kelly sings the same thing again and again. But this track is so slow and slinky, he gets away with it. This is the kind of song you'd sing if you'd lost your way home, but then happened upon a sunny garden party with lots of cool celebrity guests and free ice cream. So four sun cream bottles out of five there for Maybe Tomorrow by the Stereophonics. So maybe tomorrow I find my way home. So maybe tomorrow I find my way home. I look around at a 
Maybe Tomorrow is, at this point, the Stereophonics' highest charting song and their 17th top 40 hit. Wow. Before this, they were the kings of the number four slot. They had got there with Pick a Part That's New, Just Looking, Mama Told Me Not To Come, Handbags and Glad Rags, and their last song, which we talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago, Madam Helga. All of those got to number four, but now this is their second top three hit, which was preceded by Bartender and the Thief, which was a number three hit in 1998. But in 2003, this is from their album, You Gotta Go There To Come Back, which is true and is also their third number one album in a row they really i didn't know until looking up that the stereophonics dominate album charts they've spent 296 weeks on the uk top 40 albums chart that's nearly six years of stereophonics on the uk top 40 so many dinner parties so many driving to your uncle's house So many summer drives have been soundtracked by the Stereophonics. The Stereophonics lead songwriter, Kelly Jones, said of the song Maybe Tomorrow, It's weird because when you write it, you didn't really analyse what you're seeing. You're just doing it and it's almost like an antenna and it's travelling through you. But as soon as you start seeing a reaction to something you've written, you go, oh yeah, I suppose I did mean that. Like with Maybe Tomorrow, to me it was just a line. But then you realise everybody would like to get to a better place tomorrow. It's funny, I don't know where they come from, but they just keep coming. And they do keep coming. In a few years' time, the Stereophonics would get their first UK number one so keep listening to the podcast to hear about that but for now we have two places left last week's number one Beyonce's Crazy in Love trying to get a fourth week at the top of the charts and the young New Zealand British upstart Daniel Beddingfield so let's in a minute count through the entire chart and tell you who is our number two and number one spots number 40 a new entry for delays with Hey Girl 39 Tyrese How You Gonna Act Like That 38 DJ Sammy Sunlight 37 Simply Red with Fake 36 Super Furry Animals with Golden Retriever 35 Justin Timberlake's your body 34 your manders you're free 33 blazing squad we just be dreaming 32 jane's addiction just because 31 jennifer ellison's baby i don't care 30 50 cents into club 29 ashanti's rock with you 28 kim marsh's come on over 27 amy stuck misfit 26 christian Aguilera with fighter 25 a new entry for gold frat with strict machine 24 buster rhymes and ride carries i know what you want 23 ask of juniors for no more 22 madonna with hollywood 21 joe buttons pump it up 20 delta good from sloss without you 19 mystiques can't get it back 18 50 cents 21 questions 17 d sides invisible 16 the corals pass it on 15 javine's real things 14 Eminem business 13 all american reject swing swing a new entry 12 arcade's ignition remix 11 fast food rockers with fast food song 10 pink featuring william orbit's feel good time 9 another new entry for triple eight with give me a reason 8 xtm and dj chucky's fly on the wings of love 7 a new entry for deepest blue with deepest blue 6 wayne wonders no letting go 5 evanescence's bring me to life 4 benny bernassi's featuring the biz with satisfaction 3 a new entry for stereophones with maybe tomorrow and at 2 beyonce with crazy in love which means that at number one we have a new entry for daniel beddingfield with never gonna leave your side but first let's hear Crazy in Love for the fourth time on this podcast. That's right, Crazy in Love, pipped to the post by Bedders, as I'm sure his friends 
call him at this point. This is Daniel Benenfield's third UK number one single. He had his first We've Got to Get Through This in December of 2001. December 2002, he had his second number one with If You're Not the One. His other two singles, James Dean, got to number four in August 2002, and I Can't Read You, which we talked about in this podcast a few weeks ago, got to number six at its peak. Daniel Bedingfield's Never Gonna Leave Your Side is got to number one, this time 20 years ago, with 36,500 sales, making it the lowest selling number one of all time to that point, which would be an impressive stat had the previous lowest selling number one of all time not just been two months ago, which was Tom Cross Loneliness. Daniel Benefield only selling about 100 copies less than Tom Craft to get his third number one there. Smash Hits were definitely not a fan of Never Gonna Leave Your Side. They gave it three sun creams out of five which as we've learned from smash it over the last few weeks basically might as well be a zero out of five they said dan goes down dan's in a ballad mode again for this slow burner he croons never going to leave your side nicely and with more sincerity than a copper with industrial handcuffs a cab that's i said that not them I had more fun reading the sleeve notes, though. Apparently, someone called Nathan Winkler was involved in this record. Hehe, that sounds like Winkle. Hehe. Matt Mason did that review. Definitely a man after my comedic art. So some more facts about Never Gonna Leave Your Side. He's the first, despite being born in New Zealand, he spent most of his time growing up in the UK, which makes him the first UK artist in three months to have a UK number one. The last one was Busted with You Said No, which we talked about right at the very beginning of this podcast. Some fun facts about Daniel Bedingfield. One of his first jobs in music was writing the hold music for the phone switchboard at Lewisham College. And he also spent some time working as a web developer, where apparently he used to keep a stick of celery on his desk as a mascot. This, you might think, oh, that's quite eccentric. And I would say the more you read about Daniel Bedingfield, the weirder it gets. He seems to be an odd guy. shall we say here's uh some more this is from that last factoid about him keeping a stick of celery as a mascot was from pop bitch as is this little nugget when daniel benefield was first signed staff at his label pretended to be him on in phone interviews because they couldn't predict what crazy shit he might end up saying if he did them he previously had said that his adhd was what helped him as a songwriter he told the daily record i have had adhd since i was a child and i still have it i'm a very hyperactive person it can cause me to say really nasty things to people and really hurt them without meaning to sometimes i'm rude without realizing it and i get insanely embarrassed and so apologetic afterwards said the singer daniel added it has helped my songwriting because when i write songs my brain is flooded with adrenaline and endorphins all my songs have been influenced by my condition that's the kind of songwriting brain that will get you to make songs like James Dean and Friday and will lead to you having one of the truly odd Instagram presences. Or on your way to following us on Instagram at the 2000s chart show, follow Daniel Bedingfield. Just a yeah, very odd life. Last week, for example, he posted a picture of an Urbano squirrel. Then that's just next to him performing at a Fred Again gig. And then another post which is saying that he saw the film Don't Look Up and said that it was his new favourite film, which is truly the most unhinged opinion I've ever heard. On his website, he describes himself as an artist and CEO, but quite what he does as an artist and quite what he's the CEO of is unclear. He seems to have an odd clothing line called Dad's Mistress that seems to print AI-generated, anime-inspired environmental catastrophe pictures onto shirts. That's kind of the only way I can describe it. And previously had a line of anti-Trump t-shirts. Although it seems to only exist as an Instagram, I tried to actually see how much one would cost and they don't seem to exist anywhere else. And yet there are lots of pictures of people wearing them. So that's very strange. 
Here's another insight from Pop Bitch about what he's been up to. Has Daniel Benenfield been reading the game? One of the flagship techniques used by the controversial pickup artist in that book is to wear something unusual and eye-catching on dates to anchor yourself in the minds of women. It's our best explanation for the outfit that Bedders had picked out for himself on a recent night out with a lady. He was wearing odd shoes. Seems to be a very odd shoes kind of guy now. He's He kind of gives LA douche too much money, too much creative freedom and vibe. And of course, as any pop fan knows, him and his sister Natasha are very devout Christians and their parents are missionaries so it kind of it does give Hillsong vibes Daniel Bedingfield's whole vibe so hopefully over the next few weeks we can unpick what the hell is going on with Daniel Bedingfield we should mention he did have a very serious car crash in January 2004 which uh, may have affected things but this is all stuff for us to pick out as never gonna leave your side makes its way down the top 40 but will it keep its spot at number one for another week well with sales as low as they are it seems unlikely but you can tune in next week to find out we will play Daniel Benningfield's number one in a second but first please like rate review and subscribe to the podcast and thank you for listening we are a totally independent podcast so any support you can give to us is incredibly appreciated as ever if you're a social media kind of person you can follow us at 2000s chart show on twitter and at the 2000s chart show at instagram and if you're desperate threads we are also at youtube at the 2000s chart show where you can listen to previous episodes and see some of the top of the fox performances and other things that we talk about on this podcast so thank you again for listening and i will leave you for another week with the dulcet tones of this week's number one daniel benningfield with never gonna leave your side like a breath without the end and every day is the same since you've gone away i to I think as people sat at home tonight, they probably thought, this is the moment to put the kettle on.